just want to continue speaking. I want to get right into it so that I don't tarry in any type of wandering. I want to jump right into where we left off last week. I believe I was asking the Holy Spirit where He wanted me to go today. And I heard the phrase, life in the Spirit. I said, hey, I know that phrase. I can see it. It's a title. It's a title on one of the chapters in my Bible. And I opened it up to where I left off last week, Romans 8. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to keep speaking here in Romans 8. And let's just pray one more time. We thank you, God, that you are here with us. We just pray in Jesus' name right now for a settling. The enemy tries to bring in chaos around our lives, tries to bring chaos into your mind. He tries to bring it into your house, tries to bring it into your workplace, get you so focused on the chaos that you take your eyes off of the one who can calm it all or guide you through it. So Lord, we just look to you right now. We're looking to you right now. God, we thank you that your title has not changed and your spirit is within us and here in this room today. Thank you, Lord. Give you praise and honor. So I want to go right into Romans 8. And I want to look at verse 2. It says, And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. There is only one way in God. And that's His way. That's it. There's only His way. I believe that God is reminding us, not just this church, but the church in this time, the power of His Holy Spirit. And I started to meditate on this, on this thought, and, and I was thinking how a lot of what, when I grew up, a lot of the life that I grew up around as a Christian When we talked about the Holy Spirit, it was something that was happening in that room. And we see that in the Holy Spirit. We see that that the Holy Spirit does work that way, rather, in rooms. He moved in the upper room and touched them. But as you look through the Word, the Holy Spirit does 90%, 99% rather, outside of that upper room. He does one touch One touch from Him, and when it's a genuine touch, there's this other 99% that should be evident from Him. The other 99% that's evident from the 1% of the Holy Spirit, the 1% that, that outpouring, that physical, the thing you may see in the natural, the 1% that you see produces, if it's genuine, if it's truly the Holy Spirit, there's a 99% of you being on fire, wanting to do one thing, preach the gospel. Something in you wants to change. Something in you doesn't want to be the old person anymore. And, and you may be, you may have been down. Maybe you're, the thing you needed from the Holy Spirit that night was to lift up your spirit, to lift you up. And that's fine. And in that moment, I saw those touches and they were genuine. But the Holy Spirit was 
more interested in the longevity, in the endurance, in the steadfastness of your faith than one moment. And some of you don't know what I'm talking about at all, so just let that breeze over your head. But I'm just meditating and just thinking, and a lot of you know what I'm talking about. And, and the Holy Spirit just started to speak to me that I'm not going to, I can't go back and say, well, that was him and that wasn't. All that I can say as a generalization is that a lot of it wasn't. A lot of it wasn't. Because the fruit of the Spirit is the result of the seed of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a seed because He comes in you. He comes inside you. And if your life is producing rotten fruit, it doesn't mean that you are hopeless and that you can't get saved. Wow, that's harsh. Wait, He just said get saved. Or let's call it get resaved. I'm not saying you're you're in a hopeless place where there's no hope at all. But if there is rotten fruit coming out of you, then I can tell you that it's not the Holy Spirit in you. There will be a wrestling inside you as we talked about in the last couple weeks. That is there. I'm not... Till the day you die, the devil... And your old flesh is going to try to get you back. Now, I said try. He will try. And some days, in some moments, it may feel like he's winning. But when the Holy Spirit is truly working in you, that part of you, it becomes so glaringly obvious that it's putrid and sickening to you. You can't even, the Holy Spirit in you and the spirit of the, your spirit that has been changed in you doesn't have room for that soulish, fleshly, carnal, animal nature. As I was talking to someone the other day, it's that the animal has one thing on its mind. Where's my next meal? And I don't care what I have to do to get it. And... Actually, it's two things on their mind. Then animals think about mating season. And I don't care what it takes. I don't care who I have to push aside. They'll kill each other to get that. And that's funny because I was thinking that if you go to the world, if you take animal nature, there's, that's no different than the spirit of the world. They're thinking of two things, aren't they? Who can I get with and, and where's my, how can I fill my my needs. That's it. But we are not. That animal nature, we are not. And it's not a coincidence that the devil snuck in evolution, tried to make you think you were just an animal. Well, whether you realize it or not, whether the world realizes it or not, subliminally, they've been told their whole life that they're an animal, that they're just an evolution, the evolution of an animal. So whether they actually think they are, or separate themselves from the animal kingdom, something inside them is just doing what they've been told their whole life. Acting out as an animal. But we are not. The Holy Spirit comes in and He severs off that world. He cuts off that nature in you that wants to do what you want to do and get what you want. And then He gives you a new desire. He gives you a new appetite. Jesus said, they said, Jesus, how are you not hungry? He was doing the Lord's work. He said, I've got a different food. 
My sustenance, my life comes from something else. And the Holy Spirit had come in to Jesus, had come upon Him and was moving with Him, and Jesus was thinking, looking, acting different than the rest of the world. Even the religious world, those that should have been, those that should have been looking for him, those that should have been expecting him, weren't. Jesus showed us the right way. And it says, I just want to breeze through the through Romans here, and I want to get to something here. It says that verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. And remember last week, there is a weakness in your sinful nature. And God is not surprised by it. And neither should you be that there is a weakness in your sinful nature. Just want to make that point. Let's keep moving. It says that there's a weakness in your sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. And what's the law? The law is very simply, a simple definition is trying to work out a spiritual thing in the natural trying to do something physically, good things, religious things that can only be done internally in the heart through the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Christ. And he said, so he sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. Thank you, Lord. By giving his son as a sacrifice for my sins and your sins, he did this so that the just requirement of his law would be fully satisfied for us. Who, comma, no longer follow our sinful nature. Everybody, let's raise our hands. I no longer follow my sinful nature. Past tense. So the Lord is talking here in Romans 8 to a group of people who are no longer living in sin. The Holy Spirit has come upon you, so your sin nature is no longer controlling you. And he says, in fact, it's so important, he says it again a few verses down, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. He said, verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. The world is plenty of things, right? That we're constantly, we have to push out those thoughts. Who's dealing with those thoughts in your mind of what's important, what matters in life? What's it all about? What's the, you know, your pursuit of happiness, get rich or die trying. All these things, we have to keep pushing these things aside, right? Because that's the sinful nature and that's, it's, not, it's totally normal. That's the weakness of your sinful nature. We don't, don't need to be worried that those thoughts are coming. It's what we do with them because it says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled, come on, I want you to raise your hand and say, I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so those that are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think differently and they think about things that please the Spirit. There's a total change in thinking. The whole thought process, everything changes. And if your mind is still thinking about things of the world, if your mind is still thinking about your belly and what you want, 
Go back. You can use your imagination, that animal nature. If that's your, on your mind, if that animal nature is still ruling, then we need to just, it's very simple. You're not without hope. Just go back to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to do something. And that's what I want to preach about today to start to search your heart again and get it out of you. He said, because, verse 6, your sinful nature leads to death. There's a nature, and it's obvious, and it leads to death. But, letting the Spirit, and this is a choice, because what does it say, that word letting here? It's your choice. You choose to let the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit starts speaking. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. The moment you say yes to Christ, if you came in here today, and you came up here, and you said, I want to pray a prayer. It's not a prayer, but I just want to make a moment. I'm going to say yes to Jesus, and I want to change my life. Before you get to your car in the parking lot, the Holy Spirit's already speaking to you. He's already telling you things. And you know it. And we've talked about this. The sinner knows it right away. Mm, that's not right. Shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and that's what the Holy Spirit does. Thank you, Lord, that he gave us the Holy Spirit. That's the whole point. You cannot do it on your own. And what the Lord is speaking today is to be saved post-Christ, but be living back in the law. You cannot do it in your own strength. It's not about being good. But the Holy Spirit will do what? He will make you real good. The real good. The good that Jesus said there's no one good. But there is a good. God is only good. So God's Spirit is now inside of you. The good that you can't do and can't make and can't be, the Holy Spirit will start to teach you and change you from the inside out. And he said, so letting your sinful nature, it leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. The Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to speak about life in the Spirit. And I said, yeah, I know, okay, I know where that is, but wait a second, He's, I'm, hey, Adam, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. There is no life without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit. This is a black and white. There is no gray. There's a gray when you are in the decision time to come to Christ. And that's between you and God. When you accept Christ, and I'm going to prove it because it's here in the Scriptures. You know what? Instead of me speaking, let's just let the Scriptures speak. It said, verse 7, for the sinful nature is always, is sometimes, is maybe, or is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. So just don't worry that your sinful nature is so shockingly dark. Don't be surprised. Just let the Holy Spirit deal with it. It's a very simple gospel. Jesus is trying to just show us. And the biggest thing, the biggest struggle for the Holy Spirit is getting a person to see that darkness. Getting us to see that nature. We don't think we have it, don't we? 
But when he can shine his light, that light starts getting brighter and brighter. And when it hits our heart, something begins to happen, doesn't it? It says in verse 8, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never, ever, ever please God. If you have, if you call yourself a Christian and there's a sin nature still ruling in you, the word says that you are not pleasing God. He said, but you, we don't have to worry about that here in this church because we are Holy Spirit filled, Jesus loving, Jesus freaks, died at the cross with him going to heaven with everything that he gave us Christians, right, in this church. And it's, so this is for us, verse 9. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. No, I'm not. And you know what? You're going to need to tell your mind and tell the devil that sometimes. Sometimes the devil tries to make you feel like you're still controlled. There's a difference. When your fruit is dark, when your fruit is rotten, then you probably need to deal with your heart at the cross again. But when you are struggling in your mind and your actions, before it gets to the action, the Holy Spirit helps you and just keeps continually stopping it from coming out of you. Don't be surprised by that. That is the very place that you should be. And anyone who thinks that that's not what's going on inside them, should be going on inside them, is religious, stubborn, and prideful. Because that's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's going to shine the light on that nature that you used to be that is dead to God. He doesn't see it, but on this earth and this realm is still alive. And you just need to keep leaving it in the grave. Keep leaving it in death. And once you realize that that's in you, you look at, you look at yourself through His blood and through His eyes only. And you look at each other a lot different as well. You give each other a lot more grace because you realize that it's only through grace that you're able to control that nature inside you. He said, I'm not controlled by my sin nature. No, I'm not. Thank you, Lord. I'm controlled by the Spirit. If, this is conditional, if you have the Spirit of God living in you, period, black and white. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, you are controlled by the Spirit of God. And remember, let's read this out loud. Those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Period. The Word is clear. The Word is not hard to understand. We just don't want to read it. <laughs> it's very clear. And I love that it's clear, don't you? God is mysterious only in our stubbornness. <laughs> it was only a mystery before the veil came off. Well, what was the veil there for? Because of pride and stubbornness, obstinance, to the humble, to the broken. That's why Jesus is so able to move. Even to this day, people go, why does God move in third world countries so much? Because they're so broken They've got nothing. Meanwhile, and you know people like this, I know people like this that say, I don't need Jesus because I've got everything else. 
And so what can he do? He can't move in you. He can't work in you. How does he work with something that doesn't want to be worked with? That's why we need to be soft and moldable. Eventually, the hardness in you, if you do not let him work it out, you know what, you know what a potter would do with hard clay? They will not soften. Eventually, thank you, Lord, that's grace. There's your definition of grace. That's the time in between him working. Okay, there's your grace definition. I'm trying. Holy Spirit's going back to the Father. I'm trying with this guy. I'm trying. He's getting there. But eventually, the potter's going to throw out the clay. If I can't, it's just not working with me. There's nothing left to do with it except to throw it out. Verse 12, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, here we go again, through the power of the Spirit, he says it again, through the power of the Spirit, only through the power of the Spirit, it's only through the power of the Spirit. See, the other religions, they've got mind over matter. They've got a kind of an idea, and that's why it could partially work in their life until you got to push that person to a point. But go ahead and push that person to the point of breaking, and let's just see what darkness comes out. Because I can guarantee you it will. Who's ever been surprised when you've been pushed to the point that stuff came out of you, and you're like, well, I didn't even know that was in there? You should be thankful for that moment. God allows that pressure. God allows that because then he can, if you're willing, do what? Get rid of it. Let's just sweep that away. Today's a brand new day. My mercies are, are everlasting. I don't even remember that moment because you gave it to me. But he says, if you through the power of the Spirit put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will, there's this, there's this key again, you will live. Life and life, life is only, only, only. You are only alive when you are letting the Holy Spirit help you put to death the deeds of your nature. If you are still letting your nature rule, just go to the scripture. It's clear. You are not alive, but dead. Verse 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. I love that. The Holy Spirit, though, I want to hear it say, though, because as I said last week, what God's asking you to do here in Romans 8 is impossible. It's an impossible thing that He's asking from you in Romans 8 without the Holy Spirit, that is. Through the Holy Spirit... He's actually helping you in your weakness. And he says, you don't even know what to pray sometimes. Who's been in that place? You don't even know what to pray. But if you are humble, there's a place, a broken place. Come on, we all know that place inside of us. The place where you just say, Lord, and that's all I've got. The Lord's like, he's like that. 
I got it. Remember the man on the cross next to Jesus? The criminal on this side saying, if you're Jesus, just take yourself off that cross. He's mocking him. We've got a criminal over here and he says, I deserve to be on this cross. And this man doesn't. He's without sin. He says, don't you even fear? Don't you have fear even at the edge of death? He realized who Jesus was. He realized who Jesus was. And at that moment, Jesus said, he said, remember me in your kingdom. And at that moment, Jesus said, today we'll be in paradise. There was nothing good in his works. He was pinned to a cross, just remember. He hadn't done one good work. And yet, I guarantee you, if Jesus had taken the nails out of his hands and feet and said, go live a life for me, that his works would have reflected the moment right there on that cross. His works are not what would have saved him, but the outworking, the Holy Spirit working through him would have reflected the salvation that happened in that very moment. And that's what the Lord says to us sometimes. That's all I need. All I need is brokenness. All I need is humble. All I need is just saying, God, I don't know. You can tell God, I don't know, and he's perfectly okay with that. He is not telling you, you of little faith. Sometimes when you need to have faith, and he's been giving you faith and giving you faith, then he's going to say to you, where's your faith? Because that's been his lesson. But sometimes you're just broken. The Lord's like, perfect. I can work with that. Lean upon me. Let me give you life. You can't do it anyway. And... I was just talking with somebody. If you go through the whole Bible, the entire Old Testament, the stories are the same. The person who had it all together, God had to break them. The person who was broken was used instantly. It's the same story over and over again. He has to get you to the place where you're relying on Him. It's no different today. We need the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is there to help us. It says, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Behind the scenes, when you are living the Holy Spirit... Now listen, the Holy Spirit is only doing this for one group of people. I hate to be harsh to the world, but the Holy Spirit is not praying for the world. It says the Holy Spirit is with us because we have Christ. He's inside of us. He's only in us if we have Christ. If we have Christ, then the sin nature is not ruling. So there is a group of people that the Holy Spirit is praying for. That is you and I here in this church is the church of the world that has genuinely not just said a prayer or not going through the motions because the law doesn't work. The motions, all the law is, is the motions of religion that doesn't work. But the brokenness, the humbleness, the, the heart that is open before Christ, Christ working on your heart, that heart, in that heart, in that heart, the Holy Spirit is praying for you and groaning for you, and it cannot be expressed in words. And verse 27 says, 
And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers. Who's He pleading for? What's it say? Who's He pleading for? For the believers. Why? Because the Bible says that the two flesh become one. The Bible says it's a mystery when we come to Christ in Ephesians, right? It's a mystery. How do I explain either marriage and us in Christ? Paul was unmarried, so he had a little bit less insight. Not that I know any better. But he said it's a mystery when these two join together. But the spirit of Dawn and I, even though I'm a person and she's a person, we have individual hearts that will be before God. We have become one flesh through the bond of marriage under God, right? And through that, our spirit, come on, husbands and wives, you can agree with this. You start saying something and the other finishes it. Every day. Because, why? It's, not, that's, it's a mystery how it happens, but it's not a mystery that it does happen because the Bible tells us you become one flesh. So when the Spirit's pleading for us, He's pleading for, you ready for this amazing shocker? Pleading for, I have to be careful because this, this is not heresy, but He's pleading for Himself. He's identifying Himself in you. It's you don't, your spirit now has become with his spirit. It's become one with his spirit. He's praying for the, his own relationship. Praying for the relationship. And why? Because like I said last week or a couple weeks ago, God could do anything through anybody, anywhere, anytime. He spoke through angels. He spoke through signs. But for whatever reason, he raised up. Twelve, one didn't want to keep following Christ, so eleven continued on. He raised them up and gave them, anointed them. They actually touched some more people because the Bible says that uh, there was 120 in the upper room. And these guys get touched by the Holy Spirit and go out and spread the gospel, pen down the word through the power of the Holy Spirit. And here we are today reading and studying and preaching from it. God could have done it any way he wanted, but he did it through humanity. So the Holy Spirit is pleading for us for His own good. God's go God is going to get His best message. I, I, again, I know this could be like, we're on the edge of like heresy for humanity and God. I'm not saying like that you are greater than God. I'm just saying that God chose to use humanity. That was His choice. And because of the choice that He made, He is now in us, working through us, and it's His goal to keep us pure and clean, keep that message coming out of us as untainted as possible. There's still going to be some human in you sometimes. Who has seen that? Who's had some human come out of you? That's so I want to be, you know, I want to be careful when I, when I was saying before about your sin nature, there's a, there is a rotten fruit, right? And there are some things in you that are just humanity, right? I'm not going to tell you what that list is because then we're going right back to the law and getting into religion, right? That's what the law did. God said 10 commandments and then they created 100,000 more just to fine tune it because everybody was like, well, how far can I go? Well, what is it? And that's what the law is. All the law was is God gave 10 commandments and then it was like, well, 
now we need to learn how to deal with this and we need to deal with that and we need to deal with this and we need to deal with that. The Holy Spirit's like, listen, you want to go searching for the edge of the law, you're already in it. Let me say that again. If you want to go searching for the edge of the law, what you're allowed to do and what you can do and can't do, you're out of the Spirit already. Because if the Holy Spirit's truly working, you got one thing in mind. Your eye is, not, is looking, I want to be so far from the supposed lines that you don't even know what the lines are. That's where we should be. But the Holy Spirit, this is the point, is pleading for us. He's fending for us. Aren't you thankful to God that in our weakness, in our brokenness, in our simplicity, our humanity, that the Holy Spirit has joined Himself with us and is helping us through all of that? Let me make some sense of this. Are we making any sense yet today? See, the key here is, and I just want to preach for a few minutes on this thought. The key here is that he said, you don't know what to pray. But the Holy Spirit says, but I do. You don't know which way to go, but I do. You don't know what's right and wrong, but I do. The Holy Spirit, who knows, is in us, and he is in direct connection to the Father. Essentially, that's why it, we don't need to split hairs, but when you pray, you are praying to the Father through the channel of His blood and the Holy Spirit. That's why we can say, you can pray to Jesus, pray to the Holy Spirit, pray to the Father. Maybe some people in different sects of religion would have a big problem with that. I don't care, and I don't think it really matters because you're all going to get to one place. It's all the same God, isn't it? It's the fact that we need to recognize that those parts are all working there. That's the part we need to get. And he said in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, it says, knowledge, we could pull this up in the New King James. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, knowledge puffs up. You see what that says there? Knowledge puffs up. But it says, verse 2, if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing. What did the Holy Spirit say? <laughs> Sometimes you don't know. I think the better translation is, you ready? You never know. Only times your prayers are right it's because the Holy Spirit inspired it to begin with. You don't know. And I love that he deals with us like this, don't you? Don't you love that God's a straight shooter? He said, if you think you know, <laughs> anyone in here think they know? Who's brave enough to put your hand up? <laughs> you said there's a surprise. That's funny. Anyone who thinks he knows, he knows nothing. And this is what I'm preaching about. The Holy Spirit, you were weak flesh. I'm just going to sum up some things I said last week. Remember when God looked at Adam and he was just clay. But then God breathed life into him. He was just a body, 
the body, if we had looked at them, wouldn't have made sense to us if somehow we could rewind before time. We wouldn't even know what that was yet. What is that you just made, God? But then the life came in him. Your body is just a shell. That body, you can go visit a gravestone just to, to have a moment of peace. That's fine. But that person is not there. That's just a body. That was just a holding tank. That's just a shell. The spirit of that person living in them is the real person. And the Holy Spirit comes in a dead body. Come on, let's just look at this, doesn't he? He's okay working with dead. He can work with clay. I can work with clay that doesn't have any life. But as soon as you think you have life, come on, look at it, Romans 8, right? As soon as you get into your way and your thinking, the Holy Spirit has a really tough time working with us. And no matter where our level is on Christianity, no matter if you've been serving him for 75 years or seven and a half minutes, it is the same message that the Holy Spirit has to you today. Don't think you know anything. The only things that you do know, if it truly is real knowledge, is from me, the Holy Spirit saying to you. And anything else you think you know, you don't know. Remember uh, Paul? Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul thought he knew. Paul was doing things for God. Did you realize you could be working for God and not know anything? He had the religion down. He had the knowledge. He had the stuff down. He had everything right. He had his ducks in a row. He never missed a Sunday. He never skipped his Bible reading. He raves about himself without, he says, I'm not boasting, but I'm going to boast, right, in, in all of his letters. <laughs> but he said, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. Reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. So even when you have got someone gave you a message, right? Someone gives you the message. Someone gave Paul the message. God gave him the message. And then he gave his message out to countless people, city after city. Churches were founded from it. But all he gave is what he got wasn't from him anyway. He said, it was from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how violently I persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. He thought he was doing what was right. He thought he was doing what was right. He said, I was far ahead of my fellow Jew. Here we go. Here we go. There's a little bit of boasting from Paul. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. I was the best, the best, I mean, I was the best dressed. I was the best blessed. He said, 
But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by His marvelous grace. Then it pleased Him to reveal His Son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. Paul thought he had it all together. Paul thought he knew. The Holy Spirit is looking at us and speaking to us and trying to get into that depth of us. What we need to do as believers at every stage, just go back to God and say, thank you. Thank you for what you've shown me. Thank you for what you've done in me. But I'm not going to go into this day assuming that I know. In fact, Paul, he gets so much revelation, he goes from knowing in his head to get, he gets so much revelation from God that the Bible says to keep him grounded so that he didn't get weird and go doing his own thing. The Bible says, Paul said, God gave me a thorn in my flesh. And I prayed three times for the Lord to take that thing from me. And the Lord wouldn't do it. The Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. And he did it. You ready? Here's the reason. So that Paul would have to lean on God and always remember that everything he knew, that everything he was, that his message, that his life was dependent upon God. That everything that he had, that every revelation was not because he was super Paul. It was not because he had the most zeal. It's not because he did it right. It's just because God chose him. Period. That's it. You are nothing and no one, although he loves you so very much that he gave the most precious thing that he could give, his own son. So there's no lack of love, but you are nothing without him. Then he makes you super something can make you a super something, but the higher you go, the more he's going to make you realize it's him. <laughs> Let's just stand for a moment. We know the story. When Paul's retelling the story here in Galatians, he's talking about what happened. We can, you can find it. Go and read it yourself this week in Acts chapter 9. Paul's blinded by the light. And Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God touched him right at that moment. And he said, it says that he opened his eyes, but he couldn't see. And isn't it ironic for the very first time in his life, he could see, but he couldn't see in the natural. He thought he was doing God's thing and he was following God and I'm so zealous and I'm the best of the best and I'm doing it and I'm pleasing, pleasing God and even persecuting the church to, to make God happy. And God just comes and just covers. And the Bible says that he goes to a man, he prays for him, the scales come off, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and says three days later, Paul began preaching Jesus is Lord. I just, the Holy Spirit is just, He's speaking to us. He loves us so much that no matter where we're at, we can so quickly, it might not be a big deal today, but by the end of your life, we can get off and start doing things in our own strength and leaving the Holy Spirit behind. And by the end of our life, we could be so far skewed. I mean, just gone. 
So the Lord is speaking to us today to come back to him again and just lean upon him. And as I've told you before, I believe the world, I don't know if it's in our lifetime, but I believe it is that you're going to see things that you're going to have to know that you either believe God or you, or you don't. So the Holy Spirit's getting us to realize that now, because there's going to be times in your life where you will have no choice but to rely on him. But if you don't know him now, it might be hard to find him then. Not that he's hard to find, but so much junk in our minds, so many distractions, so many other deceptions in the way. So Lord, we just pray right now in Jesus' name, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, into our hearts again. I thank you, Lord, that you breathed on them and gave them life. You gave them an ability that was beyond them. You, you could see zeal. You can appreciate it as God. But the zeal is not going to do it. Our religion's not going to do it. Our tenacity, our steadfastness, all of these things only mean anything with the Holy Spirit working through them. And we thank you, Lord. We just welcome you again into our hearts. We welcome you again into our hearts. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, back into our hearts again. Places that we've pushed you out of and we've taken the reins again. We didn't even realize, but we've taken the reins, taken the control. And I thank you, Lord. You're just showing us that we might be in a place of knowledge and we might be puffed up. Bring us low, Lord. Just pop that bubble. Pop that thing, Lord, and show us that we don't know anything, that the only thing we are is what we are in you. The only people that will ever be are people that are completely and totally 100% and no less reliant upon the Holy Spirit for everything we do, even every breath we take. In Jesus' name, amen.